delivers. That's way back to right center. Forget it. That thing is going, going, and gone. Boy, Mazzara just tied this baby up with a monster shot to right center field. Well, I'm glad you see that. Well, I covered a series in Texas last year, and this guy is impressive. He is, has a great presence of fight and can really hit some tape-measured home runs. Yeah, he really can clout, and that ball was just drilled on the berm out there. Mazar, the big blast. He's a very impressive young man. There it is in the replay. He stands in there. He, he looks impressive, just looks intimidating, and he got a pitch right over the middle of the plate and just ripped it on the berm way out there in right center field. Rich Hill has fallen in love. Nomar Mazzara with a titanic two-run home run, tying the game up today, today's game, which was a 7-6 win for the White Sox over the Colorado Rockies. Mazzara got his first spring training homer, and it was impressive. This is exactly what White Sox fans are looking for from this guy. Perhaps not impressive in, on defense, maybe not hitting for a great average, but clocking mammoth homers, putting up maybe 25 or 30 in a slight platoon role this season, and he got off to a nice start and gave us a little bit. Us and Rich Hill, a, a, a bit of a sneak preview of what we might see this year from a position in right field that we're not really expecting a whole lot out of. So anyway, it Turns out that the 7-6 win, this stirring, again, come from behind victory once again for the White Sox this spring, uh, turned out to be maybe a backdrop to the news of the day because the news of the day is Yoan Mankata signing a five-year, $70 million contract extension uh, with a team option that could push it one more year into $90 million. So... Happy Yohan Moncada Day, everybody, and on this Southside podcast number three, I'm bringing in Ashley Sanders once again to talk to you about all things White Sox, including the Yohan Moncada extension. Welcome again, Ashley. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here again. Okay, happy Yohan Moncada extension day. How are you feeling about that extension? I am elated i think it's brilliant it's amazing i can't wait to see what the Sox do next i think it's really crucial that they're actually wrapping up their whole core because this team it's going to be amazing for the next four or five six plus years and it's going to be very exciting to see how all the guys take their money put it away and then start to play come the end of this month Again, Southside Sox fans, if you were expecting anything short of true excitement, if you were expecting a dour take on this extension, you tuned into the wrong podcast because I'm excited about it. And I think Ashley Sanders might be just a little bit more excited than I am about this extension. But what's great about it, Ashley, is uh, like the other extensions they've thrown out there, and this one a little bit less of a dice roll with Eloy and Luis Robert. Uh, in both of their cases, they had yet to play a major league game. So to some degree, there's risk there. Certainly with Luis Robert, a guy who hasn't proven to be perhaps the most durable player, perhaps even more risk because there was more money outlaid there. But Yohan Mankata went from a 2018 that uh, a lot of people were a little disappointed with to 2019, which was really brilliant on both sides of the ball. Terrific defense at third base in his first year, first full season playing third. Uh, great turnaround offensively, became a factor and a force even from the right side. So when you look at this, it's a situation where almost the worst case scenario in this extension, though it's a lot of money outlaid, and I believe this technically is the biggest contract ever given a player in White Sox history. 
Uh, even looking at the basement of what his production can be, this is almost a no-risk deal. Uh, there's almost no way for the White Sox not to get value back, not to say it's no money being outlaid. The average annual value turns out to be 15, with the option, turns out to be $15 million, $15 million a year. But the, really, given everything he brings to the field, Ashley, there's almost no way for the White Sox not to get their value in this deal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't... I wouldn't say I'm the best judgment for how much money a guy should or should not be paid, but it seems that $70 million for a five, maybe a six-year option is relatively cheap for the stardom potential that Yoan Mankata has. I mean, after his huge turnaround, like you alluded to in 2019, the ceiling is just getting higher for him. And I know maybe a 315 batting average isn't going to be sustainable for the five, six-year period. However, he should be hitting in the 280s, if not higher, as well as I believe he had somewhere around 75 RBIs last season. I expect more of that. I think he also had like 25 homers. He's definitely going to be in the 25, 30 home run range, and it's really exciting to see all of this come together. He's going to get paid. He's going to keep getting better, and it's going to be really exciting. I don't. I think I, I haven't heard as much of it uh, surrounding Moncada, but obviously Moncada and Tim Anderson last year were one-two in terms of the BABIP, which many people just factor and ascribe just to luck. Uh, both of them were hovering right around 400 with balls in play, which is something that is probably at least a little bit due to luck. But we that would ignore the fact that these guys both have wheels. They beat out balls in play. Um, and so I don't know that, as you point out, he may not be a 300-plus hitter, but it certainly seems like 280 is fair to say. And another thing we, that might be easy to overlook is the fact that this White Sox lineup is a lot stronger this year. Uh, he's going to have more protection. There's going to be a little bit less pressure so that if he happens to have a bad day, well, suddenly the whole team collapses because there's only like two or three actual major league hitters in the lineup. We saw some of those lineups last year, and they were f- somewhat comical, almost bad news bears-esque. Uh, and this year we would hope that, uh, barring some kind of spate of crazy injuries or a, a true, true Sunday getaway game, uh, we're not going to. We're. They're not going to be many offensive passes going on uh, this year with the White Sox. So that ought to help everybody in the lineup, including Mankata, whether he's at the top or even uh, maybe batting. You know, even as low as six in some games. Um, there's going to be protection um, uh, behind him, and I think that's something that may well offset maybe a little bit of the luck change if his if his Babbitt goes down to say you know 350 or even 325. Um, I think there's going to be some offsets that, again, give you a basement of production defensively, offensively, and on the base paths that means that this is, uh, I mean, this is just a terrific value deal uh, for, for the White Sox. Um, so I, I guess you alluded to it a, a little bit, but uh, given that the White Sox have now in two years uh, wrapped up four key young players, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, uh, Aaron Bummer, a little bit less so, but still is wrapped up through a well past uh, uh, even his age 30 season. And now, Yohan Moncada, uh, do you think the White Sox are done talking extensions? And uh, if uh, either way, uh, should they be targeting someone else maybe to wrap up? See, I think it's time to finally show more of the pitchers some love when it comes to like the core and the youth of this team. So I think there should be at least one more extension in the making. However, I don't know if it's going to be a spring training deal. I might wait until the end of the season, but I think 
if the White Sox were smart, and so far they have been, they're going to lock up Lucas Giolito. Yeah, it's scary. Uh, position players uh, have, I mean, I don't want to say they have dependability, but obviously the, the pitchers, it's, it's so much scarier with Tommy John surgery. Lucas Giolito, <laughs> you mentioned, is a guy who's already gone through it. Uh, guys can hit a wall. Look at Chris Sale. Uh, obviously provide an enormous value to the White Sox and even to the Boston Red Sox after the trade. He signs his uh, extension, and uh, you know he's sidelined now, and he's he had, and he's coming off a pretty poor year in 2019. So it's so much more volatile with pitchers. It's scary, uh, but I can see, given that these extensions have been. They've been fair to the players, but they certainly have not been overly generous by the White Sox. They've driven what seem like fair and maybe even hard deals for young players. Uh, Yoan Moncada, a little bit different than Eloy Jimenez. And, uh, well, not so much Luis Robert, but certainly Eloy, who, who didn't really get paid in a significant, significant way when he was first signed. Moncada is just adding to what was already a pretty significant signing bonus to begin with from Boston. It seems like if there is a willingness from some, from somebody like Lucas Giolito to, to maybe meet halfway and not necessarily chase the biggest dollar he can get eventually in spring uh, in, in free agency, that there may be an extension out there for Lucas. But as you mentioned, it might be after the season. What do you think the smartest move for the White Sox would be? Do you think it's something that could happen if we had three choices? Spring training with Lucas really having one very strong season under his belt. Maybe all-star breakish midseason when maybe there's a chance for the White Sox to see if that was a mirage or not, or uh, postseason when maybe a second strong season's uh, under his belt. Oh, that's a good question. I would say probably the postseason to see if Lucas Giolito can sustain at least 85, 90% of what he did last year coming into this season. Like, as you said, the White Sox haven't given the most generous deals. They're definitely team-friendly, so the Sox still have money to spend. And if Lucas Giolito can prove in back-to-back season that he is definitely going to be an, the ace of the staff, at least the number two pitcher, depending how pitchers such as uh, Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech shape out, I think the Sox wait until the end of the season. And at that point, if Lucas Giolito has proven that he is what he was in 2019, then I think he can get even more money than necessarily a team-friendly deal. However, if he doesn't shape out to what it is, but the Sox still want to keep him, then they get they give him at a bargain price at the end of the season. So I think it's really going to have to wait until 2020 finishes, hopefully after a postseason berth, and then we can also see some stats in the postseason from Lucas Giolito. If not, I think it's safe to say wait until the end of the season. Yeah, the White Sox, with what they're building here, uh, you know, they're in the cat bird seat with this. They can they can make offers. They can make reasonable offers. And it's not necessarily a test. It's not it's not a it's not a game of gotcha with the players that if they don't take their most uh, chiseling deal that, you know, they're out and they're going to be on the, the trade block. You know, hopefully it's something I mean, clearly now they've got three, four deals that are sort of shaping their own little internal market. And of course, every player is different, but there's, you know, there's there's a pattern here. Uh, there's a, a reasonable range of money outlay per season, I think, to any of these guys considered core. Uh, so I don't think there's a lot of surprises for a guy like Giolito or anybody else who might be considering an extension. I, I think it's smart and it's impressive that the White Sox, though you might just figure this is due diligence, that they are actually having that discussion. And if, if it doesn't go anywhere, well, then it doesn't go anywhere. And maybe the system plays out the way it does, arbitration, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe even a guy like Lucas Giolito 
ends up in free agency. But you have the discussion. Maybe you return to the discussion if maybe the, the first time around didn't work out. I'm guessing maybe this uh, this spring, and I guess it's time to give a little bit of a hat tip to our colleague, James Fox, who was on top of this extension story, I want to say 10 days, two weeks ago, coming out with some of the first news of uh, him being the most likely person to be extended by the White Sox. Um, so hat tip to James. He's had a fantastic offseason, probably rivaling Rick Hans, but, uh, you know, we won't get ahead of ourselves yet. We'll see what he comes up with next. Yeah, seriously, I need to put on James's tweet notifications because he seems to come out with all these different contract extensions before anyone else. So I really need to get on that once we're done with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so well done, James. Uh, but, you know, I mean, listen, you, you have the discussion. Uh, and I guess what I was going to say in leading to James is I'm I'm not sure that this is necessarily the first discussion the White Sox have ever had with Yohan Makata about an extension who knows this could have been visited even just a matter of a, a couple months ago maybe when Yasmani Grandal uh, uh signed they they had their first discussion and maybe the two sides couldn't come together you just keep revisiting you keep you walk around the block you talk to a guy after the season you talk to a guy during the season and say hey you know we're here we want you we're committed to you it's almost a no-lose situation certainly for the White Sox and to some degree the player as well so I think it's smart to have the discussion with Lucas. I think it's smart to let him know now, hey, listen, you're a guy we have our eye on. I think we need to see a little bit more. But, you know, I, uh, I'm i guessing there's been at least a rough framework perhaps discussed with Lucas Giolito. And if there hasn't been literally one discussed, listen, every, everybody's smart in this game. The Sox know what the framework would generally be. Lucas knows what he would generally be worth and what he's uh, what he's asking for. And, and who knows? The, the good thing for him is if the White Sox decide, hey, uh, let's just let's just see how real you are, Lucas. Let's just play it out for one more season. Well, he could be the, a Cy Young finalist. He could win the Cy Young, and that's obviously going to bump that average that uh, value awesome. a couple million a year at least. So, you know, if he's going to bet on himself, even in this very small way, uh, it could come out, you know, really great, you know, for Lucas. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to just be a, a win-win. Is there anyone else you can think of on the team that might be in line for this time of treatment yet i mean there's been talk of madrigal getting bought out so he could start the the season with the team is there anyone else who jumps out that would make sense to have these discussions with yeah there's two players that i'm especially curious about one that you just said nick madrigal because of liuri garcia's extension i don't believe madrigal is going to start opening day i do think he'll start in the minors with charlotte however he probably will get some sort of extension after the season would be my prediction. But who I'm really curious about is Carlos Rodon. So he is currently recovering from Tommy John. He's expected back after the All-Star break. And I'm really curious to see, again, this also depends on how Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease, etc., how they really play out this season. But if Carlos Rodon comes back stronger than ever... I wouldn't be surprised if they give him just not necessarily an arbitration deal, but maybe a two or three team friendly contract. However, the con is Carlos Rodon is very injury prone. So if he comes back weaker than he was, which I don't believe so, but if he does, I'd curious to see if they test free agency with Carlos Rodon or a possible trade. Well, and then the tricky part with him, too, is he's a Scott Boris client, which, you know, doesn't necessarily mean the White Sox can't make a deal because, because surprise, surprise, they did this offseason. So the, the ice has been broken. 
But uh, Boris, you know, is known for making sure he gets maximum value for his guys. And yes. you know, as any, you know, as any agent should, he seems to take it to some um, some comic lengths. And he's yelled at me at least one time in my sports writing career. So, you know, he's a friendly fella. Gosh, so cuddly. So cuddly. Hi, Scott. <laughs> Howdy, Scott. How you doing? Um, but, uh, here, you know, here's an interesting proposition. What if Carlos Rodon comes back? Uh, in a situation where he's not going to get to determine. This isn't a, uh, a season of desperation like last year was in the rotation where the minute Rodon was available, had he been hurt, say, had this framework been set back a year, and if he's coming back at midseason, the Sox are desperate to have him back. I mean, to some degree, this did play out last year because he didn't start with the team. He did yes. have to get some rehab starts. So, I mean, let's let's say it's the same situation, but the Sox are desperate to get him back. The White Sox aren't so desperate this year. They're going to have a solid five-man rotation. There's no more Ross to Twillers, etc. cetera. Uh, Despagne is in, in Korea. He's not coming back. Uh, so let's say he Rodon comes back and he's working out of the bullpen because that's the best spot for him. They're working him back into it. And let's say he actually has some great success being a, maybe a, a one to three inning guy. Um, do the White Sox and is Rodon open to um, maybe an Aaron Bummer deal? That's very interesting. I never even thought about him working out of the bullpen, but I can definitely see it, especially when we have Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel, who should be pretty solid this season. And if Kopech and Cease and Giulio keep up their end of the bargain, I can definitely see Rodon working out of the bullpen and maybe not getting a deal quite as nice as Bummer, but at least a two- or three-year extension. So that's actually very interesting. I don't know if he'll be open to it, though, but I guess time will time will tell. Yes, he's going to get a tongue lashing from Scott Boris if he decides to agree to something like that. Because I'm sure Scott's, Scott's yes. already got a big binder, probably about two feet thick, about all the terrific things that Carlos Rodon is going to bring to a team and how he's a workhorse starter. He's going to start 36 times a year, etc. So, yeah, I'm guessing that because of advice based on if only if nothing else, advice of counsel would tell Carlos Rodon not to take on any sort of Aaron Bummer deal. Um, maybe best case scenario, because he's not going to have a lot of momentum going into his offseason. There's there's no that's indisputable because he's going to get at best a, a half season in. And even if he's a lights out. It's still not going to be much of a track record. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it is something where, uh, you know, he agrees to, uh, you know, maybe two or three years at, at a very reasonable rate, given the fact that yes. he could just blow up at any time. Again, I'm sure uh, he would have to, he would be scolded by his agent if he did that. But, you know, truth is that might be the best he can hope for, given his injury history and given the fact he's going to just have this pretty short and maybe not even as a, as a starting pitcher, pretty short um uh well the word escapes me but uh, you know a, a pretty short amount of time to really prove to other teams to 20 on other teams that he's uh you know going to be a legit starter in 2021 yeah i can see that i mean i want him to be a starter as he's shown that he has the stuff that it takes to become a starter however that it, it i would like to see him work out of the bullpen if he comes back and the Sox still have a solid five-man rotation. I mean, obviously, if there's an injury or something happens where Rodon needs to fill the starting rotation right away, then goody for him. But I would really be curious to see how he works out of the bullpen, how he handles it, and then how his breaking balls 
and fastball can change because of that. Then if he works at the bullpen, he's allowed to add a few extra miles per hour to his fastball. He can get a little more of a hook on his different breaking balls. Of course, he's coming back from Tommy John, so that's immense strain on his left hand. However, it would be very interesting to see. However, like you said, I really think he'll be a starter or he'll look to go somewhere else. Well, as we get into maybe our... Um, sixth or seventh minute discussing Carlos Rodon, who right now is a <laughs> zero factor on the 2020 White Sox. I want to point out a little bit of concern I have from Carlos, and that is that uh, looking at photo day, which is at least two sets of photos from two different photographers, and then probably also including a third in Ron Vesely, the official team photographer, I did not see his top button popped in those photos. I was seeing zero chest from Char from Carlos Rodon. That's a concern for me because that's telling me I'm not sure he's got the swag that he usually has. I don't think there's any bandages under there. I don't think there's any stitches. Come on, Carlos. This is what we're looking yeah, for you're from right. you. Now that I'm thinking yeah. back on it, he hasn't. What's I, mean, I know I've seen a few pictures of him in spring training with the high socks, which I really like that he adopted that style. Awesome. I'm all in for high socks. Mm -hmm. I would ban long pants if I could. But yeah, you're right. That little bit of swagger has escaped him. What's next? A necktie? Come on, Carlos. What's going right? on here? Jeez. Well, I mean, I you know, okay, I'll I'll give you my old my old man take is, um, you know, high high the high socks rock, of course, that that's a given. Of course, any good fan will recognize that. But I think I'm a little troubled, and I'm still waiting for someone just to simply trip on their own pants. The pants that actually go down over the heel, I think yeah, is like adorably hilarious and. Uh, you know, I, I guess if it works for you, I just that that one I I have to say I really don't get, and I know that really sounds cranky and grumpy and get off get off of my front lawn. However, when they actually curl around the heel, I just I guess I just would like to ask a player why why really just why. But, Maybe because they don't have their shoelaces tied tight enough, so they need some <laughs> other like support to keep their cleat on. Beat writers. I know you're listening. Beat writers, would you ask this damn question for us, please? Come on, really. What? What's the deal with the heel pants? What's the deal with the leotard? Come on. All right, Ashley, you know, this is the Southside Sox podcast. It's number three of the season, and Southside Sox has sponsorship. Now, I have proven uh, incompetent when it comes to laying in the advertisement I need to about this midpoint of the podcast. So I cannot promise listeners that they are going to be interrupted by a word from our kindly and generous and wonderful sponsors. So you may end up once again with the commercial free, the inadvertent commercial free episode of this podcast. It's not by design. It's, it's surely by producer, that would be me, Brett Ballantini, producer incompetence. But lucky for you, because you will not have an advertiser, an advertiser message right here. However, we're going to pause for just a second, and you may have 30 seconds or a minute of advertisement, and we'll be right back with a second half of the Southside Sox podcast with Ashley Sanders in just a moment. Okay, hey, we are back with Ashley Sanders. We've had a robust first half of podcast discussion. Terrific news with the Yohan Moncada extension. Chatting a little bit about who might be coming around for an extension in the future. A disturbingly long amount of time discussing Carlos Rodon and his fashion sense and his lack of swag or where he, what he needs to dig deep into to get that swag back. That said, Ashley... 
let's look forward and let's talk a little bit about the messaging that's been coming from the White Sox. The White Sox in the course of last season, which let's face it, was a one loss. It was a failed season. It was a poor 89 loss season. So this team, by any standards, really shouldn't have the swag points that it maybe does. It shouldn't have some of the attitude that maybe it does. It shouldn't maybe have developed some of the, you would think maybe it wouldn't have developed some of the team unity and some of the attitude that it has. Tim Anderson's obviously a guy, he's our swag leader and he's sort of the heartbeat of all of that. But talk to me a little bit about the White Sox messaging that's probably started in the off season is definitely gonna be rolling really hard at us this season. I don't know if it's formally considered like a change the game, if that's actually the theme or not. Tell me a little bit about that, but uh, talk to me about what you've seen perhaps in, in some of the messaging change from the White Sox. Well, speaking from the social media standpoint, they've really adopted the hashtag change the game, as you alluded to a few seconds ago. So I think it helps that when players check their phones, or even if players don't, if fans can see that the social media is all in. I know during picture day, they had all these cool set designs with different Chicago emblems all around. I thought that was really neat to really embrace the Chicagoan culture and embrace the fun that it provides. Additionally, this might be a little more discreet, but Dallas Keuchel, I think about his beard, the Sox only made him cut off, what, two inches? So it's still it's still relatively long. However, usually you wouldn't see that kind of uh, facial hair in the past. So even just subtleties like that, a guy gets to keep his facial hair to really show his personality. You're you're endorsing Tim Anderson's bat flips. You're you're letting them have fun. I mean, I think it shows that when players and coaches are arriving at six in the morning for a spring training game, the players are in. The social media is behind it. And obviously, if the front office wasn't a fan, you wouldn't really see the change the game hashtag you would see Dallas Keuchel with barely any facial hair so I think that has a lot to say about it yeah and it speaks also to where the White Sox have been coming from I mean it's been a number of years even dating back to Manny Ramirez joining the team and not having to change his hair granted that was just a month but that was certainly something that opened eyes um, especially coming from a team that forced uh, A.J. Przinsky and Joe Creedy to trim their hair after winning a World Series because they were just a little too mullety. Yes. Even though now, ironically, uh, Mullet Night is one of the goofiest of all <laughs> promotions at Sox Park, I think on a yearly basis. Um, but it speaks to where the White Sox have come from in terms of, you know, oftentimes, I don't want to say tone deaf, but they certainly haven't been the strongest always with messaging. They've had the really strong moments where they had grinder ball rolling and all that. Um, you know, they've had, you know, all in obviously flopped because the team and the guy that they sort of centered all in, uh, Adam Dunn, flopped. You know, that's something you can't exactly blame the promotions department and the communications department on. But, you know, like with any team, they've had their ups and downs with it. And it's um, it is uh, energizing. Obviously, what's most energizing is Rick Hahn signing guys. Um, guys committing to the team with extensions. I mean, that's really what it is. And then presumably the, the, the wins that are going to come from that, that's what's going to energize the fans the most. But when you do have a sense of the team sort of being there with you and that they're almost more, they're copying a good persona as friend or fellow fan instead of somebody who's talking down to you or just missing the boat completely because teams still do miss the boat completely. 
it's a um, you know it's a it's a, certainly a positive development. So as a younger fan, Ashley, you're you're pretty excited and pretty on board with the way the White Sox have have even if they've just tweaked it that that their messaging is is coming out now. Yes, I mean it might be a surprise for you and the rest of the Southside Sox readers, but I'm a pretty high energy person. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've caught on. So I think it's really exciting that players are allowed to really speak their culture, whether it's through Yoan Mankata's uh, dancing at Sox Fest that we saw videos of, whether, like we said, Dallas Keuchel keeping his beard, showing showing his little personality and fun. It's, it's just, it's really exciting to see each guy embrace their individuality, but it's even more exciting to see all of these different individuals coming in as a collective group as the Chicago White Sox. And Tim Anderson is a guy who's really the flashpoint for that. He's, uh, uh, to some degree, heartbeat of the team. He's a vocal leader on the team. You might argue that he is the leader of the team, even though Jose Abreu is sort of the unofficial captain of the club. Uh, Timmy's had a very interesting uh, ride in this last uh, year or two. Uh, he obviously had an, a stellar season last year, so on the field he performed and he backed up any, any talk. But he's gone in terms of specifically the messaging and sort of the social media aspect of things to being a guy who was actually suspended, not for his bad flip, but suspended for the events of that game, to now MLB's uh, account actually tweeting out quotes about that game and some of his uh, stiff upper lip and his, his, his jaw jutting out type of comments coming out of that. So just in the course of less than a year, MLB was smart enough to say, all right, Let's not be the school moms wagging a finger at this guy. Let's get on board with this and push his message so that we have another young star, um, you know, who, who's getting the word out and who is so aggressive about his own messaging and his own belief in himself. So with Tim as sort of a fulcrum here, uh, he's a guy who is, again, very crafty and clever enough to take advantage of the fact that he, going into this season as compared to last, has a much bigger uh, form. He has a much bigger platform and people are going to him more than ever before for his opinions on the team, his opinions on the game, and just his own personal feelings about things. He's launched a YouTube channel and you have some knowledge of that, Ashley. Talk to me a little bit about his YouTube channel and the, the vibe you're getting from it and what it's, what it's all about. Yeah, well, it's I think it's an incredible idea. It's a way to really become even more connected with the fans. And for all the videos, I've seen most of the videos. I believe he posted one earlier today, which I have not watched, but I've watched every single one up to this point. And in each video, he stresses that he's always working. Whether he says, when you're sleeping, I'm working. When you're playing, I'm working. When you're at school, I'm always working. So the dedication alongside the fun is there. He's willing to put in the hard work hard work so that he can have fun with his bat flips and his little trots around the bases when he hits a home run. However, he's also displaying the fun aspect of it. You see him joking around with different teammates. He talks to the fans. He, he's had a couple of videos before spring training games and he signs for the planet signs for the fans. He makes it, he makes a point to say, Hey, these fans, they give back to me. So I'm going to give it right back to them and he wants to sign for them he wants to create this connection between himself the game the fans everyone around him and i think it's really neat that he ha that he gave himself this platform 
in a YouTube channel to really show what he's all about. Obviously, we see him on the field. We can see him through his tweets. But to see him through an honest version of a video, I think that's really unique. Now, Ashley, I have not tuned in. I have not subscribed to the channel, <laughs> channel yet. I'm still messing with the foil on my antenna to try to actually get the reception in on that channel. So I'm, I'm having gotcha. trouble. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'll figure it out at some point. I'll, I'll actually connect the VCR to the TV to the computer yes, at some exactly point. Yes, okay? exactly. What you need to do. But uh, <laughs> that said, um, tell me about the content as well. Is it all um, more professionally done? Are there also some of the more um, lighter moments where he's maybe just talking to the camera. I, I, I recall seeing, I guess what I'm getting is I recall seeing a little sort of sassy comment he had about uh, banging trash cans or something. He was giving a little dig out that Astros and laughing at him. Are those more the cutting room uh, uh, type of clips that we're just going to see uh, tweeted out here and there? Or is there a little bit of that lighthearted stuff that's out there too? Or is it all more like each one of them a little bit of a Tim Anderson commercial? I would say there's a bunch of lighthearted moments just like that he jokes around about the Astros banging I remember I believe he was talking to Lucas Giolito don't quote me <laughs> however you really see him connect with the different teammates he was joking around like joking about the trash cans he I can't pick up specific dialogue but he's definitely having fun you see him encouraging teammates whether than the batting cages whether they're taking ground balls so that's really awesome and as you said even though you haven't watched it it seems like you have he does have a lot of those heart-to-heart -heart tim camera for a couple minutes straight i know the first two or three videos were purely him talking to the camera just giving a window inside of his life and to be that transparent with fans i really appreciate it i mean it's it's you're being you're becoming very vulnerable when you give the fans another way to see you however i also think it's an indication that he's strong he's ready like this is the tim anderson you you like it or you don't he's gonna be here he's gonna be working he's gonna be having fun as he said last season ride with us or get left behind Okay, and Ashley, I, you know, listen, I wasn't being real straight with you. I wasn't being honest. There have been a few moments where I've had the foil on the antenna and then it's been in my mouth and then I've held my hand up in the right direction and then I can get, I can get like a few seconds of the channel, but then it, 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 it futzes back out. So, I, you know, I've seen, you know, I, I know it exists. I see it's there and it's elusive and I can't, I can't, I can't get it all. So I'm... I'm going to figure. It, I promise, I'll figure it out. Let's you, should, you should take the the VHS tape out of the mm -hmm. out of the player. You know, blow on it a little bit and put it back in and, and see if that helps. <laughs> see, this is what I do when I decide to poke fun at myself for having some slight age. Because then I'm, here it comes, here it comes. Next guest, bam, going to get me. Next guest, bam, going to get me. But I love it. That's all right. You know, it's all right. Um, let's talk. Also, let's let's get off the YouTube channel because again, everybody check that out because obviously that's that's core. White Sox content, and I don't think there's many fans who don't dig the hell out of Tim Anderson. So check that out because it's going to be entertaining and it's going to be a different sort of heartbeat of the team. But let's get away from the YouTube channel because that's all his formal, you know, he's probably making some uh, revenue from it all. Yeah, good for you, Tim. Awesome. Okay. Let's just talk about the fact how engaging he is on social media. Some of the highlights I felt last year on, on White, if you want to call it White Sox Twitter, 
um, as a whole was him sort of clapping back on uh, it was a Gearchuck or whatever that Yahoo hillbilly oh, guy yeah, in Toronto, you know, like you know, uh, you know, say my name, you know, don't you know, quit, quit you know, uh, quit goofing around with it. Let's just, you know, let's talk if we need to talk. You know, the fact that he's willing to directly get into it with people. And even recently, I think even today, I, it might have been something I retweeted where it was just him talking about like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hey, I haven't even heard. Uh, have I, did I leave the League in Errors last year? You know, like this kind of thing. Like, hey, he's aware that people are murmuring uh, and, and, you know, he's gonna, and he's working. You know, I mean, I like the fact that he's, He's, he's got attitude on social media. You know, he's obviously a guy who's very, you know, he's heartfelt and, he, and, he, and he's loving on social media, but he's not, he's not afraid to slap somebody down too. And obviously you got to back that up. If he comes out with 50 errors this year, well, okay, then maybe he shouldn't open his yap. But I like the fact that, you know, we always like when, when any players are really engaging on social media because it gives us a really, a, 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 we feel a closer connection to them. But I like that he's, you know, he's got that same attitude that you see in the batter's box, chucking the bat. Uh, or maybe John at a pitcher, and I'm sure also on this YouTube channel, you know, he's he's on it when he's, you know, actually tweeting on his phone. Yeah, I really like it. I know I wasn't the biggest fan of Trevor Bauer before. However, I remember during the bat flip era, Trevor Bauer was like, hey, yo, Tim, bat flip all you want, just can you not do it off of me? And that was before <laughs> when Trevor Bauer was previously on Cleveland, now he's on the Cincinnati Reds. And I really liked how he was able to create a dialogue. Of course, some players, like you said, Randall Gritchuk came out and said, hey, can we not? Can we just put our heads down and jog around the bases? And hey, if that's your style of play, then go ahead. But also don't diss the guys for having a little fun, for making the game a little entertaining. I mean, there's 162 games for a season. Days can drag on. It can get a little boring. So if you can give the crowd, give fans at home a little spark, a little energy, that also helps you as a team. If you're having these down moments, but you're able to provide a spark, then you might be able to start a win streak, you know, string a couple games together, at least make it fun for your fans. And if not for your fans, make it fun for people who may not be into the game but see all the fun and joy guys are having so then they decide to turn on their tv and become a new fan of baseball i mean baseball is kind of getting run over with the nfl with the nba so i really like how the mlb on social media is endorsing all this fun because i think it's really going to help explode the fan base the NFL. Come on, Ashley. The NFL. The NFL. Hey, one of the biggest, one of the most troubling aspects and what has been a glorious offseason for us as Chicago White Sox fans, one of the most troubling aspects of this offseason is that a misogynistic jagbag like Trevor Bauer actually is making more and more sense. He's coming on the right side of the Houston Astros scandal. He's honest, even though sometimes that honest can be ugly yes. but he's I, you know i gotta say in the um q factor or whatever you want to call it I, I, begrudgingly you got to acknowledge that the guy is he's been doing all right he's been doing all yeah, right he, he's still nowhere near my favorite <laughs> player but at least in the aspect of bat flips i can appreciate and respect his opinion all right, winding up with Trevor Bauer. That's delightful. That's delightful. And, you know, we won't have to see him. Do we even see him? Do we play that? We don't play the Reds this year. We so do we not, will not play we'll, we'll, Central this We year. will see Trevor Bauer in the World Series, Ashley. How about that? Ooh, I like 
the and we of that. and we can get them all frustrated so we can chuck another ball over the center field wall and you can have a little fit and you know and probably do a lot of other things well all right anyway trevor bauer whatever trevor bauer <laughs> carlos rodon man we are on the cusp of everything that's hot in baseball trevor carlos rodon whether his top button's going to get popped or not well, we've covered a lot of stuff been a lot of fun talking with you, Ashley. This is, we are well, just you. getting rolling with Southside Sox podcasts. Obviously, we're going to have a plenty of them all season long. Pro- definitely have some real treats in store on the Southside Sox podcast. Uh, nothing I can quite confirm yet, but there's definitely going to be some interesting stuff going on beyond just the usual weekly talks with Southside Sox and Southside Hit Pen writers, etc. Uh, but Ashley, I do very much appreciate the time. This was a lot of fun, and uh, uh, we'll talk again. We'll do this again real soon. Thank you for having me. I love doing this. Okay, Brian, out there, thank you for reading Southside Sox, sticking with us, and keeping the community really the strongest White Sox community out there. And for you listening, I'm glad you've tuned in. Uh, even though this has been something uh, that's been dormant for up to a couple of years, we are back now with podcasts, and we're going to be uh, generating a lot of content for you all season long. So thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And we will be back at you much sooner than later. Thanks, and until next time, take care, guys. <laughs>